I lost you. Yeah, see that. Okay. I have no idea. Oh, it's working now. Uh, so, did you, did you go buy toilet paper? Um, I was lucky enough that my last grocery run before uh, all this news started coming hard and fast included toilet paper. <laughs> it's good. I, I felt really, I really fortunate. I don't understand the toilet paper thing. I don't. I, yeah, I don't know why people have gotten fixated on toilet paper. It's just, it's just blind panic. It's like Karen was doing her shopping run one day amid the coronavirus outbreak, and she just happened to be buying toilet paper that day. And then Becky noticed, and then Tom noticed, and all of a right. sudden, it's a <laughs> it's a national yeah. emergency. Everybody You're needs like, to buy toilet paper now. I'll trade you this cotton for that Charmin, brother. <clears throat> oh god. Uh, yeah, it's it's been like a rapid. I've never seen news kind of break and then twist so quickly. Like, I got a kick out of the NCAA. Like, you know, like first, like, okay, no fans in, in, in the stadiums. The players are just going to play by themselves. It's going to be weird. But God, at least that, that is weird, isn't it? it? It is. And I feel like it's like it, it takes away from the player's experience, you know, like, but, it, but you know, they start there. Like, okay, we're, we're still going to have the games. And then like 36 hours later, they're like, God damn it. All right, we're going to shut the whole thing down. <laughs> Is you know you see the NBA do it, and then you see the NHL right. do it. They're like, right. oh, fucking hell. <laughs> I know, I know. Just trying to keep it going because there's a ton of money in yeah. in gambling and advertising dollars all riding on this you know tournament every year. I mean, it's pretty. It's, we were. I was talking about this with a, a coworker. How how weird would it be to be a player? in the March Madness tournament and the only thing you hear is the squeaking of shoes and the bouncing of yeah. the ball like no 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 nobody in the stands except for like probably reporters or something I don't know the support team crew the locker room guys they're just like clapping you along like yeah <laughs> way to go Marvin I saw that move that's all you get that's Man. my boy right there he's a heavy sweater <laughs> yeah I mean I felt bad. I really did feel bad for like the kids in college. Like, you know, a couple of them that go to the NBA. The rest of them, like this, this is the the apex, and they do all this training, and all of a sudden it's like, whoops, sorry, maybe you'll never get coronavirus, but uh, it's it's now shutting your shit down. Uh, <laughs> all right, everybody, well, welcome to basketball talk. This is um, right. <laughs> much to do about nothing. A show for the. Uh, how do I how do I do this? A show for the. Financially conscious, the politically curious, and the all things nerdy millennial. I found it. Yeah. Uh, my name is Zach. This is Mike again. Um, going to get a little political on you today. A um, lot going on. A lot we want to talk about. Uh, namely, uh, obviously, the coronavirus panic that seems to be gripping the nation. Um, we would be remiss uh, to to not talk about. I mean, how can how can anybody not talk about coronavirus? Stand by a second. Standing by. What? fucking sorry hang this video just started playing in my headphones oh that's distracting yeah it was really fucking distracting i was like what is happening oh my god all right is this dementia (laughs) what was i talking about right so coronavirus right every major (laughs) every major (laughs) uh, sporting um organization canceling all their games uh disney closing which is kind of a big big deal although they did want to finish out the weekend fine (laughs) i guess (laughs) but they are uh, disney's closing and disney never closes like here in florida if a hurricane's coming disney's open up till the day before it hits like they will squeeze they will squeeze out those dollars yeah oh my gosh 
Yeah, so okay. it's uh, it is, it is pretty, telling. Pretty significant. Um, let's see. So I just want to. I, I found this thing. I want to walk through sort of the chain of events here. And I took a screenshot of it because it was a, it was pretty telling of the um, the way it all shook out. So starting back in uh, January, these are these are quotes from uh, the White House. Um, namely uh president trump here so uh in january we have it totally under control uh it's one person coming from china it's going to be just fine (laughs) fast forward uh, to february we pretty much shut it down coming in from china uh cdc and my administration are doing a great job of handling coronavirus uh fast forward uh the 15 cases in the u.s within a couple of days is going to be down to close to zero (laughs) just wait till april yeah, fast forward a little bit more. One one day, it's like a miracle. It will disappear. Uh, we're ordering a lot of supplies. We're ordering a lot of uh, elements that, frankly, we wouldn't be ordering unless it was something like this. But we're ordering a lot of different elements of medical. Brilliant order. Um, you how, take how, how like what what's more telling that this is the president's actually doing this or that we're like laughing at this. I don't know. <laughs> Fast forward, fast forward a little bit more. Um, I never said people that are feeling sick should go to work. Yes, you did. Uh, the United States has, as of now, only 129 cases and 11 deaths. We are working very hard to keep these numbers as low as possible. Keep moving through March. Anybody right now and yesterday, anybody that needs a test gets a test. Uh, that was false. Uh, they're there. No, they weren't. Uh, and the yeah. tests are beautiful. Uh, they didn't exist. The tests are all perfect. Like the letter was perfect. Okay, still hearkening back to that, are we? Uh, the transcript was perfect, right? Um, this was not as perfect as that, but pretty good. Holy crap. Um, yeah. Fast forward again to March uh, 6th. I don't need to have the numbers double because of one ship that wasn't our fault. Talking about the cruise ship. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, March 8th, uh, we have a perfectly coordinated and fine-tuned plan at the White House for our attack on coronavirus on March 9th. Fine-tuned. Uh, th- this blind side like the world, yeah. So, partisanship aside, this has been totally bungled from the start. Um, it started, it was, a, it was a hoax. He puts at the helm a science-denying daywalker who literally believes you can pray the gay away. Uh, at the helm of this crisis, uh, yeah. so no, no, really, no need to panic. It's all, it's all fine. Um, it's all gravy. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty remarkable that we've gotten to this point. Um, there's, there's been examples out there in the world uh, who have heeded uh, the World Health Organization, such as Italy, who took extreme but albeit responsible measures, um, who have pretty much just secured their borders entirely and left open only um, essential businesses, I read, uh, pharmacies, uh, grocery yeah. stores. Yeah, they shut down all other commerce. That's that's nuts. Shut yeah, down. that's that's dramatic. Um, that's, that's a really, really dramatic effort. I don't expect the United States to be on the same level of responsiveness as being able to just shut the borders entirely because we are vastly larger with a lot more considerations just in population and um, commerce. But still, yeah. we could have done a hell of a lot more before this point instead of denying it or uh, writing it off as a hoax and not listening to the responsible adults in the room who are trying to tell you, hey, you need to get ahead of this thing when right now it's too late. And in all likelihood, it's probably going to get much worse before it gets better. I hope that's not the case. Yeah. But it, realistically, it's, it, that's probably going to be the case. It's Italy was the the first time that my 
I guess, you know, so far I've been more interested. I've been too interested to be worried. Like it's just been too fascinating watching this happen in my lifetime because uh, this is pretty unprecedented. But yesterday going through just some of the, you know, the news on it, I read, I mean, I just read it again that 250 people died in Italy in 24 hours from Corona. Mm. And they now have about 17,000 ish cases uh, versus 1,250 deaths. So that that raises your death rate in Italy uh, to seven plus percent. That's pretty fucking bad by terms of epidemic. Yeah. That's that's like SARS. Uh, I think you're getting towards SARS rates. Yeah, and, and, and to be fair, uh, I, I do want to take a look at what's going on in the U.S. This is from the CDC website. Uh, just open this window just now. Total cases in the United States, uh, 1,629. Uh, total deaths, 41. Uh, jurisdictions reporting cases, 47. Uh, 46 states and the District of, of Columbia uh, are included in that. So, okay, Ob- objectively – much, much smaller numbers. Um, we have a much, much larger population um, right now. This is just now becoming a thing in the United States. It's something that we're just trying to get a grip on. It's completely reactionary. And like I said, um, this is updated March 13th. So this was updated noon yesterday, but we're likely looking at much, much um, higher numbers. I'm pretty sad to say if you listen to uh, the people at the CDC and the World Health Organization that it's going to get worse. Plus, it's per per capita for the size of population we have. We have tested the least number of uh, of citizens by like a pretty big margin. Yeah. So there's God only knows how many. I mean, for Christ's sake, Tom Hanks has coronavirus. He's got rich people money. He's got he's got that those crazy <laughs> like super health you know benefits that we can't get you know until you're like I an think, eight. Uh, he picked it up in Australia, right? He did. He yeah. did. But I just assume that, you know, eight figure people have that, um, you know, supreme technology, that Elysium technology uh, where, you know, that shit just doesn't affect them. But that's how that's bringing it down for me. That's bringing it's making it real. Um, <laughs> Tom yeah. Hanks, is, I was uh, talking to somebody, um, somebody, please. Get, who was I talking to? They were like, uh, somebody, please get a bead on Betty White. We can't right? lose. Him. We can't lose them both. <laughs> that would be too or, much. Or Ruth, or Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I would just like fast forward me to 2021, like I'm done with this year. It's all over. I'm going to call it early and just skip to the next one. Yeah, like I don't want to deal with the rest of this. It's only March for God's sake. It's been a crazy year. And the last, you know, two years before that were pretty fucking nuts too. So now everybody's like forgot there's an election now. Yeah, I know that. I was going to say, we, we knew this was going to be a weird one uh, anyway. But, uh, this um, definitely puts a kink into the uh, re-election strategy of Donald Trump, I'm sure, because, I mean, you, you had one leg to stand on, and it was the economy, and, well, down goes yeah. Frazier. Yeah, and the volatility in the market is just going to continue. However, I, I mean, uh, suspending payroll tax and waiving all student loan interests, which I didn't even know that was a thing a president could do, is decidedly not Republican. That is not, a, those are not conservative measures uh, at all. No, And no. Um, I still maintain that Donald Trump is having the greatest like panic fear of his life is occurring at this moment between the, the germophobia in him over the, the, mm-hmm. a pandemic and then him being like an 80s guy, like having the market just like get decimated under his, his watch. Like he's, his, that's, his psyche is it's taking a lot of hits right now. He's Yeah, that, got, that has to hit pretty hard for him. Yeah, he's he's got fronts on multiple fields now and plus he like basically carved out a lot of the like national pandemic response department like last year. 
they're saying that that may have something to do with why we have the lowest uh, per capita numbers of tested citizens. But in terms of uh, Donald Trump, his his approval rating hasn't really dropped that much in the wake of all this news just cropping up. I think it's like a 0.5 or 1% drop in his approval rating. A 79% of polled Republicans still think that the economy is doing great, I saw this morning. Um, I don't know what drives that. I mean, yeah, right. When, clear, when, when objectively the economy is not doing great. It's a great segue uh, to to the story, to the the Oregon Republican story, because that is like it's it's just like a what what do you call it? like a parable that kind of describes like the greater like national uh, atmosphere for politics, like the general like thrust of that whole story, right? Being that Democrats, because more people voted for them, took control of the state legislature in the state of Oregon, and they began moving through their legislative priorities, which included things like uh, cap and trade, which uh, basically charges those who pollute the environment uh, beyond a certain point of carbon emissions, tax bills that gave more money to, to schools, you know, kind of your, your normal kind of liberal legislation is what you'd expect from a Democratic-held state legislature. So when, sure. they were, when they were faced with the passage of these bills, what did they do? <laughs> Uh, well, they basically stamped their feet, threw a tantrum, and refused to participate. They took their ball and they went home. They left. Uh, yeah, they, they just, just left. They just left. They just walked away. Yep, they just walked out. And they didn't just walk out. They walked out, turned around, and flipped everybody off. Like, yeah, ridiculous. So but, what you have is yeah. a, basically a small population, the, the, the rural industry workers who work in like forestry and the fossil fuel industry and things like that are basically holding an entire state's population hostage uh, because their uh, Republican officials are refusing to do their jobs, go to the Senate and House meetings, address these bills because they know they don't have control that these uh, bills are likely going to be passed. And their response to that is to just walk away. And and to be fair, these aren't like radical ideas in these bills, like House House Bill 2020, the cap and trade bill, like you said, is to, is, is to cap um, greenhouse emissions uh, in, re, in response to global warming and climate change. But yeah, if you're a pretty if, big coast, if you're deeply rooted in the um, GOP and the uh, more outskirts of the alt-right, uh, which some of these representatives who are named in this article are linked to the alt-right groups like the Proud Boys and other white supremacy groups. Um, global warming is a hoax. Climate change isn't real, right? So the, the, these House bills aren't like these these fringe dramatic bills. They're to address human issues, climate change, homelessness, and the like. And for yeah. greater issues like that to be held hostage by this a small minority of people who are just refusing to do their jobs. It's, it's pretty disgusting. I think objectively it's, well, it's like in their minds, I can only imagine they rationalize it as well. I'm, I'm doing the best thing for the people that elected me, you know, like this is, this is what I have to do to do the best thing for my constituent. And it's like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like we've made rules for this game for a bunch of really good reasons. This is literally picking up the ball and going home. The governor absolutely should send state troopers after every one of them. And not yeah. only that, the, nat- the president should do something. And all those Republicans should resign. Like this, and these are these are not crazy thoughts. And like they, I, this, this is reasonable what I'm saying here. Like they are just not doing their jobs. People that won the election because they're more voters, they are not getting represented. That's that is how this works. It's been talked about a million times. 
Donald Trump didn't get the popular vote, right? No, he did not. But he's still the president, isn't he? He still yes, signs he the bills. We still have to live with that shit. He's going to run for election again, you know? And the same thing happened on the other side in the state of Oregon. And even with a national victory like that, the response is just more like, again, they must rationalize it as I'm representing my constituent the best way by being a total dickhead. Or it's just that whole like mentality of like bare knuckle politics, you know, winner take all. Like, I, yeah. I, I don't lose. Fuck you. Like, it's correct. Just, it's oh. not it's not about policy at all. It's about winning. Let's see here. I, I took a note. Let's see. Throughout the history of the bill, Democrats have been bent over backwards to accommodate Republican objections. This is in Oregon. Um layering on more and more process, um, making more and more concessions, but it hasn't changed the, re the uh, Republican rhetoric or behavior. Uh, the objections were never made in good faith. They aren't to the bill's contents or processes, but to its existence. So it's not about the bill or what's in the bill. It's strictly yeah, because the, de the Democrats want to pass something, Yeah. just period, that they're like, nope, walking away. Yeah. Like, how how is that? That's become so normalized now. That's That's the big takeaway, right? Is that we have, have normalized that practice? Like it just doesn't matter. It's it's just about the big fuck you, like. And God forbid that the governor of Oregon is worried that the state police won't actually cooperate the way that she wants them to because of them being Republicans, because of the demographics and rural areas and police forces out there. Like th this brings up all sorts of questions. And you know the article talks about it directly. Rural white men holding the state legislature, strangling it, holding it hostage, however you want to put it. And I don't know, what do you think? Is that like, is that too on the nose? Is that, is that because we're reading Vox or is it really black and white like that? Okay. Look, objectively looking at this, um, the represented constituents of the Republican party at large and more specifically in that area are white Christian America, right? Um, these representatives uh, have been photographed, and this is referenced in the article and other articles that I've uh, read up on this topic. They are photographed with white supremacy uh, leaders. Um, their rallies have mimicked uh, white supremacy um, literature and propaganda. Um, it's pretty blatant, uh, in my opinion, and I think objectively it's pretty blatant, right? The fact that these people are able to get away with this, I think, reflects a level of privilege that would not otherwise be apparent if this was someone of any other race. Um, so I, yeah. I don't I, I don't think it's unfair to say that, um, to make that assumption and to just call it what it is. Yeah, it is absolutely a point of privilege that people are, are able to get away with this. And to see the Democrats of the state continually try to take the high road is pretty frustrating it, it it's named in so frustrating in, in this article and other articles that they literally beg these republicans to please come sit in on these bill hearings and do your job and they just say no um they threaten to call the police uh and have them dragged uh, to these meetings which is they're right they're they are a uh, the, the uh, governor is allowed to exercise that authority. In fact, in June, I think um, she did authorize uh, the uh, state police. I don't know if they actually went and got these people because they fled to Idaho. They left the damn state um, as, as opposed to come and sit in on this bill. This, and they, uh, were, they were abetted by citizens, by, by people from Idaho. Yeah, pretty, uh, pretty crazy, right? Like, God, come on, guys. Like, A couple, and they think yeah. this is like some resistance or some shit. That, that is like... 
the echo chamber that they live in, that they are actually cultivating some resistance against this liberal tyranny. Yeah. Jesus. In in their mind, this is uh, the Democrats enforcing their political will on them, um, when in reality it's just it's them people doing their it's, constitutional duty and passing bills. The other people are, who turned out and voted in greater numbers are exacting their will. <laughs> like, yeah, and that, that's totally fair to say. And something that should be pointed out, uh, the reason that these assholes are just allowed to flee and not do their job is because in the uh, Constitution of Oregon, when they were first establishing statehood, I think it said they borrowed from Indiana or maybe yeah. Illinois a little caveat that allows them to actually do this thing this this insignificant part so it's actually in there which is why they're able to like i guess constitutionally do this yeah uh, it doesn't yeah, make I mean, any it doesn't make it any less abhorrent but back in 18 you know 20 or whatever when they were throwing up statehood like it was just kind of the thing to do you know there was a lot of imprinting from other constitutions or whatever so who knows yeah what the real you know genesis of that shit is but the the kernel there is uh quorum you have to have enough people right to do business Sure. Um, most legislatures, you need a simple majority, which is just half, right? Democrats easily have that. But Oregon, for what, again, whatever reason, they took it from Indiana or what have you, uh, they need two thirds. So that means it takes 11 people in the state Senate to shut down the whole fucking game. Yeah. And they have 11 people. And so they <laughs> just walk the fuck out. And by the way, like walking out for, Big disagreements, like the cap trade bill, which uh, was under negotiation for, I think the article says, like close to 10 years, giving away all sorts of, you know, taking taking away things that Republicans didn't want in there, you know, offering this and that, and just whittling it down to something with less teeth, like, like it normally fucking happens in politics. Uh, but anyway, they walked out because at one point they didn't like how much they were working. Yeah, that was that was the excuse they used. Uh, because like we're I, pacing. Yeah. I guess, I guess in an effort when the uh, next uh, season came around and in an effort to actually get some shit done, uh, the House and Senate put a rush on things because they wanted to try to actually get some things accomplished. And the Republicans were like, oh, too hard, too much. Like, bitch, you've been walking out. For, yeah. for the <laughs> like you're just slowing down their like their legislative agenda, clearly. Like, stop being a dick. Like, God, win, win the next election, asshole. Like, that's how you change this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's. It's frustrating. It, and one thing that uh, should be pointed out, you have this minority represent, representation, but it's being backed by pretty significant money. Uh, in the article, it stated that Oregon has the loosest laws on money in politics uh, with no restrictions yeah. whatsoever on what corporations or individuals can donate to politicians. Um, that's pretty alarming. Uh, this is a story about large resource intensive corporations buying the support of legislators who then do their bidding under cover of a bunch of distracting culture war rhetoric about elites versus just folks because that's the that's the stance that they're taking right they're they're representing and fighting for the the fucking laborer uh who's out in the timber fields yeah. or who's out fracking oil or whatever you know that's that's their stance right yeah and and the the author i think it was like david David Roberts, uh, who clearly he was using, he really wanted to use this story uh, to make us parallel to you know where we've been the past six to ten years politically, where how we've become you know so very partisan. Um, again, just referencing back to that that um, that Klein book that you and I are both reading, you know all these those little sentences stick out. One in particular, um, a a very partisan person 
in like the mid 19th century knows less about what their party's platform is than somebody who doesn't really pay attention to politics today. Like that is how clear our banners are, how it's how clear our flags are. And when I, I suppose things become so like black and white and what the platform issues are, people, you know, they make wider divides, right? Whatever. Man, did I lose my train of thought there? I don't know. Is someone listening? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. So he, he wanted to make this parallel with the, the changes of national politics. And he really drives at that point and calls it a snow globe and all this stuff. And like the, the paragraph that really gets it for the article, the, the Vox article, is he just says it just like you said. The Republican Senate believes, or you know, all Republican representatives in an organ, they believe that they have the right to veto because they are true Organians. You know, they're they're the salt of the earth people. So their representation somehow means more. And it just so happens that they're all white male and Christian. But you know, that that's the divide that we have nationally, it seems like. That's how the coronavirus can happen. Everybody's like, Trump's doing a great job. <laughs> Right. So uh, interestingly enough, I think it was uh, in, in Klein's book I just I just read, and you might be a little ahead of me and be able to reference this uh, more clearly, but I think in 2040, uh, 2045, somewhere around there, it talks about the, uh, the white European in the United States will actually officially transition uh, to the minority in the right. United States. Uh, right. Of course, there's no way to actually pinpoint when that's going to happen. Sometime in the 2040s, likely, if we keep trending this way. But it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Republican Party responds. How are you going to go get the African-American, the Hispanic, Latino, and the Asian vote uh, when you've spent hundreds of years gerrymandering those people out of their right to vote, <laughs> threatening them with violence and political pressures to keep them from being represented, uh, trying to keep them out of your country by threatening deportation, yeah. uh, travel bans. How are you going to go get those votes back yeah. uh, when you're I mean, the minority in this country? It's it's yeah. going to be a pretty pretty wild dynamic. Just and for some uh, bad memories. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> uh, well, and again, uh, drawn from the book a little bit, they from the very beginning talk about sort of the stranglehold that Democrats in the South had during post you know Civil War. Congress and what have you. And um, through the primary process, the South still kind of has that stranglehold. You know, South Carolina, like the Super Tuesday states, all South that made it to Biden so hard, like that was a momentum switch, right? And it was the black vote in South Carolina and the and Senator Clyburn or Clydesburn. Clyburn? Like, I don't think it's, it's Cly something. Anyway, he endorsed <laughs> Biden and then like, bam, they literally, they, they polled before and after polls and so many African-Americans literally said, they're like, I think it was half of them said, yeah, I made my decision after the endorsement. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's the South again, just yep. controlling Democrats. Like, but yeah, I don't know. That's weird. That's the primary process, not national elections. Maybe it's different. Maybe it's not. But I don't know, man. Things are crazy, right? There's a virus. There's partisan politics. I work from home now all the time. I don't know. It's weird. I'm going to start getting real cagey. Yeah, I've been uh, trying to keep an ear out best I can for what's happening out in the airline industry and the travel industry at large, you know, I, I, I can't say specifically any communications we're getting because we have a social media policy where we just can't talk about that stuff. But um, objectively looking at what's happening, I think we can probably expect to see a, a rollback um, in, in, in the public going to be willing to travel. You know, it's it's going to get worse before it gets better. 
you know. Yeah. And it's just but, like it's going to affect everything. Like, what the hell else are we going to talk about? I don't know. <laughs> we should just make this a sports podcast for the duration of the coronavirus outbreak. Uh, that would be, I mean, you can do that. And I think Tim's probably pretty good with sports, but I would be absolutely useless. How about we just, how about we play, we, we watch old Super Bowls from start to finish <laughs> and we provide live commentary. <laughs> and by live, I mean, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That could be it. That could kill. That's a lot of content, man. Yeah. We'll put it on Twitch. Um, start a YouTube channel. Just, we have to not tell the NFL we're doing that. Fuck them. Can you keep a secret? <laughs> <laughs> oh don't worry this isn't this isn't recorded nobody listens to sh- <laughs> nobody's listening to this uh this is my this is going into an old i ipod i've had for 10 years <laughs> oh, uh, yeah Well, what do you got? I mean, nothing. Yeah. Markets are fucked. Bad. <laughs> Bad. Wait, wait, wait for the floor buy-in. Shit, I don't know. It's yeah, it, it's a uh, it's a good time to be uh, an investor in terms of buying opportunity. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a good time to be rich. Oh wait, that's... it's always a good time to be rich. Yeah, I mean it, that's a, that's a silver lining, I guess. If you're um, in a position to where you can buy into the market, now's the time. Uh, Warren Buffett's advice is pretty sound. Um, do the opposite of what everybody else is doing. So everybody's panic selling. Here's your opportunity yeah. to step in and start um, opportunity buying. Um, that's that's what I'm doing. Recessions are just sales for rich people, man. Yeah, I mean, you know? if you got the extra cash and um, you can actually withstand the downturn that's 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 the the yeah. challenge of it psychologically being able to stand there and watch uh, your your account value drop uh, pretty yeah. significantly I, I don't know how yours is but mine's looking uh pretty pitiful I, uh, I just keep my eyes away from the old 401k because i already know that it's probably oh yeah god i don't yeah. know but no it'll turn around you know it, we we're not like you said holding the money is the hard part right anybody can <laughs> Save it, not spending it when it would be really convenient is the hard part, but in seven or eight years, we'll, these numbers will look you know, normal again or whatever. Yes, it's it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out uh, for the market. If we'll be able to look back in uh, seven, eight years and see the onset of the coronavirus, February uh, 2000 and what year is it? It's 20. 2020 as the tipping point it blows me away the the speed of that shit that's probably what's like scariest for people is that it was like january 9th that the story broke um 
that Wuhan, you know, wild animal market, whatever, yada, 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 cases confirmed. And that's two, two months in a week. And now there's all this, all these cases. I mean, I guess that's the scary part. That's what the CDC freaks out about. Hmm. Yeah. This is yeah. just a coronavirus podcast. With yeah. A little, right. With a little bit about Oregon Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> and how they're a bunch of fucking, well, it's bullshit. Uh, I don't know. I was, I was, I was preaching the personal finance, um, a good word to the, mm-hmm. uh, my usual coffee spot, the girl behind the counter. She's, she's, she knows I'm in finance or wasn't finance. And all of a sudden, bam, we're in podcast talk. And, uh, I was trying to get the hell out the door. So I come here and do this. And I was like, Zach, just tell me the name of that one. I know you're always talking about. I knew it was Stackham Benjamin. I just couldn't quite get there. Yeah. But, Anyway. There's a lot of a lot of good personal finance podcasts. Uh, if you're into stacking Benjamins, I'm just going to add this into the bonus track. By the way, um, if you're into stacking Benjamins, you might check out uh, Bigger Pockets Money podcast, the Afford Anything podcast, um, Choose FI for financial independence stuff. Uh, it's there's a, there's a ton ton of great resources out there in the podcast community in terms of um, money talk. Yeah, it's huge. The number of podcasts available on literally anything. And just by the numbers alone, there has to be a few that are worse than ours. Yeah. Like, for instance, if they just just never made an episode, that would right there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, winning by default. (laughs) Nothing wrong with that kind of W. Yeah, I (laughs) know. And St. Patty's Day is basically fucking canceled. When is St. Patrick's Day? I don't even know. Tuesday. Exactly, man. Everybody's forgot about it. All the fun what? runs and shit and the parade was canceled. Um, my excuse is I have a baby, so I don't I don't know what That's which true. way is which way is up or what day it is. It doesn't really matter. You could like you could come into work with no pants on to be like, baby. <laughs> it's like it's like my my wife says, uh her excuse now is I'm a mother. Like every, everything oh, anything man. that she does, I'm, I'm a, a mother. mother. Yeah. Oh great. <laughs> Created two monsters. <laughs> uh, man, that last little video was so cute. I miss Esme. I'm out. With planes, if, if domestic flights don't get grounded, April could be a good time because conference is probably getting canceled. So I won't be as busy in April. We're, April's next month, right? So It is. We're uh, halfway there. I've already bid for my schedule, so just let me know. Oh, wait. My schedule just came out. Oh, snap. So I could probably this is non pocket. This is just Mike and Zach making plans. <laughs> uh, that's the kind of shit we're bringing to this. That's the that's the kind of heat we're bringing. Twenty yeah. minutes of uh, twenty minutes of substance, and the rest of it is just it's garbage kinda, talk. Yeah, uh, shooting the shit. Yeah, let me know when when was that conference supposed to be scheduled? Uh, that's like uh, I would fly out to New Orleans May fifteenth. April? May. May. Oh. Yeah. So, no, yeah, April would just be like, that's when, you know, setting all the sessions up and getting everything straightened out. So, I just have a bunch of shit to do. But what I've noticed is all these speakers that I've been talking to to come to my sessions, they don't want to talk to me about coming to conference right now. They're like, oh, I'll send you, I'll get, I'll get you back later, man. I'm like, oh, fuck. No, they don't, they don't want to commit to anything. <clears throat> they just can't, like, a lot of the people that we would have come speak at these panels and run issue panels or whatever, they work for state and city county governments. Mm-hmm. And 
who is preventing unnecessary travel right now? State, county, city governments. So we've already have like the, the executive committee of our organization. Like I, I run contact with them frequently and I just got back like a bunch of messages. They're like, oh yeah, by the way, we're not coming to conference, sorry. I'm like, shit, I'm like, all right.